Well, I mean, you were just asking what we were drinking. Well, I'm well, a. I'm, I feel like that'd be something to say after we like when we start the recording. We are. Like, so, we are recording. We're recording. <laughs> you started. Welcome. Yeah. We oh. started. Uh, yeah. Welcome to okay. the podcast, Jackson. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's only been like what another month since we've uh, put out an episode. Jackson, what are yeah. you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a glass of gin and a PBR. Love um, that. I'm drinking a key lime sour ale with lactose, lime, vanilla, and cinnamon. A, Why does it specifically say lactose? I don't know. I, I think I, that means they put milk in it. I, it Connor drinks I milky mean, beers. Yeah, well, it's good. It tastes like a pie. <laughs> Anyways, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's History. I'm Nick Jensen, here with... Oh, sorry, taking a drink. Connor Whalen. And? and I'm Jackson Langland. What's up, guys? How's uh, how's your week? What have you been up to? Mm, just doing yard work, trying not to drink. Got fucked up at a softball game, literally physically. Did you see? Did you see yeah, what dude, happened? You, like, maimed yourself. Dude, it's like a... I it's did. Like a probably a good quarter-inch gash in my side that's just, like, full of dirt right now that I've just been slowly picking out over the past 24 hours. And by quarter inch, he means deep, not long. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a quarter inch deep, but also probably, like, two inches, like, wide. I'm surprised yeah, you made it one whole season already without serious injury, and then, one, yeah. like, beginning of... Oh, no, no. Last season, I had a pretty bad injury, too. What did you do much... last season? Last season, I fell down, and, like, I rolled my ankle, and I couldn't no. walk on it for, like, a week. I thought you tried to slide into first and just skin the hell out of your knee. I've done that so many times. Wow. I, I broke that habit, though. Absolute yeah. legend in the diamond. Yeah, speaking of legends in the diamond, it's uh, a good segue into today's topic. So today, we are talking about Osama bin Laden and his assassination. So, Osama bin Laden, the boogeyman of America, a man who would haunt the American psyche for decades to come. Today, we're going to go into his lo- the life of bin Laden who he was, how he came to be, how he came to found the pan-Islamic militant group Al-Qaeda, his war against the Soviets, and then the Americans, and finally ending with him taking a fucking bullet to his skull on May 2nd, thanks to the monumental effort of U.S. intelligence and the unrelenting force that is SEAL Team 6. I just want to point out this topic was my suggestion, uh, but... Connor and Jackson said that I wasn't able to uh, fit in all of the conspiracy theories I wanted on this one, so... I mean, you're, you're more than welcome to just throw them out. We may have to do a part two to get, <laughs> get through all of those. And also, at the time of this, when we wrote this thing, it was still May, and so this was relevant-ish. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we've ha- I think I've had this, like, saved. I, when was it last edited? Like, uh... Probably like two and a half weeks ago, almost three weeks ago. Well, you know, we had to move studios. So oh yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did throw a little bit of a wrench in the situation. You know, we had to set up our new studio. It's huge. It's awesome. Massive. It's, Joe Rogan ain't got shit on us. Yeah, it's it's so big. It's it's I can't even describe it. Um, but yeah, actually, and we we'll, we'll be kind of getting back into the role of things too. Is like because Nick's gonna be moving to Salt Lake City here in like what two weeks? Yes, sir. Yeah, we like to make this as difficult as possible on ourselves. Yeah, yes. we'll have, uh, what, Colorado Springs, Bozeman, and uh, Salt Lake City. It's perfect. Yeah, Thank God wait. we're all in the same time zone. Yeah, yeah. Small victories. <laughs> it's the little things. Yeah. We'll get started with this guy uh, and start to unpack who Osama bin Laden really was. So, the real name for this guy wasn't just Osama bin Laden. This is a very abbreviated version of his much longer name. Bin Laden's full name was actually Osama bin Mahadan bin Awad bin Laden. 
This guy's uh, already an asshole. <laughs> and then this stands for Osama, son of Muhammad, son of Awad, son of Laden. Muhammad was actually his father, and Muhammad, Muhammad bin Laden, and Awad was referring to his grandfather, Awad bin Abdul bin Laden, who was a Kindite Hadrama. I. What? Do you have any idea what that is? Hadrama is uh, it's a tribe or ethnic group located in Saudi Arabia. Finally, bin Laden was a reference to his great grandfather, uh, Laden al. Al Katani or something? Kitan. Uh, it's a little confused. I, I can't pronounce like half of these. It's all a little confusing. Uh, yes, but this is a very old part of the world where people felt obligated to honor generations that came before them. It's kind of like, you know, Chinese ancestors referring to like, you know, the father of the family or the grandfather of the family. And that's how like you refer to yourself. And like, that's kind of where your identity comes from. Like lineage is everything kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in short, his first name was Osama, followed by his father's and their father's names. So, Osama was born in Radia, Saudi Arabia, March 10th, 1957. As we said before, his father was named Muhammad. Not going to go into that long-ass name again, because it's just not worth it. Uh, Muhammad came from Yemen, and surprisingly was actually a billionaire of his time. Is he actually a billionaire, like, with a B in 1957? That's what it was saying. That's what I was reading. What a dick. That's, that's insane. I mean, that, yeah, it, I, I don't even know, like, the, the, the articles I was reading don't even go into, like, they say he was just a construction magnate, which, I mean, I, I, I guess that could just mean, like, a plethora of things. I'm kind of un, unsure on that. Weren't they tight with the bushes? Uh, they were tight with the... Uh, Saudi prince. I think and back in the day there was like, uh, I think they were maybe tight, tight with the Bush family. Yeah, we'll follow up on that one. <laughs> well, I mean that makes sense because they were they were tied with the U.S. at the U.S. as a whole at some point. So, yeah, um, Muhammad was a construction magnate in Saudi Arabia. I actually did have close ties to the Saudi royal family, as I said. His mother. Hamida al-Atas was a Syrian that Muhammad had taken as his 10th wife. So it's safe to say polygamy was definitely a solid thing in this part of the world. Um, the Mormons, Mormons aren't just the only ones. You say was, like... <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after his birth, Osama's dad would wind up divorcing his 10th wife, Osama bin Laden's mother, and would pretty much pawn her off onto another high executive within his own construction company which I found a little weird. It would be like me divorcing my wife and then turning to Nick and like, here you go, Nick, here's a wife. And that was, that was kind of how uh, Muhammad got rid of his wife. And that's such a weird promotion. Like <laughs> be like, be like nice job sorting out those uh, um, like zoning contracts in uh, Yemen. So as a reward, as a reward, here's my wife. And like, yeah, I mean, it is an old part of the world. So, I mean, she's kind of, Sucks at cooking. That's why I'm getting rid of her. <laughs> She's actually just miserable. She just leaves so much hair in the drains. I just, I just can't stand this bitch. I'm sure she was a nice woman. We have no idea about any of this. <laughs> yeah, we're just ripping on this poor woman who's now. Her life was probably miserable. <laughs> I mean, she was his tenth wife, so I mean, I can't imagine life was very good. Yeah. Osama would actually wind up moving in, living with uh, his mother and. Uh, three half-brothers and one half-sister after this, and he didn't, he didn't like, really live with his dad uh, until he, like, started working for him and kind of worked in the company for a while. Um, 
which kind of uh, points to the next uh, uh, topic. It's like Osama bin Laden came from a billionaire family, so he was kind of like a billionaire, like spoiled little rich kid, born with a spoon in his mouth. So it's like it is like no surprise that he wound up becoming radicalized at some point because it's like those. Yeah, I listened to a thing about him, and they were talk- they're basically saying that he had that like hipster Mm -hmm. look about him like he would be the guy you'd see in the coffee shop with the beat up macbook saying like ah yes it is the 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 wealth gap yeah yeah. that's pretty much picture a middle eastern hipster Mm, sitting in a hookah bar instead of a coffee shop so having a father who was a billionaire had its perks and through different construction contracts and projects the family would make nearly five billion dollars of which good old Osama would wind up inheriting about 25 to $30 million. That seems low. Like, was he, like, the shitty child? Oh, well, no. the guy had ten He's wives. So ten like... wives. And then oh, imagine if he facts. has four kids with each okay, wife. true, true, true. The fact that, I mean, five, that's still a shitload of money. Yeah, I mean, he literally was able to fund Al-Qaeda with this. <laughs> so being a little rich kid, Osama wound up attending an elite secondary school of Asthagar Madhu model school from 1968 to 1976 is secondary uh, school like high school yeah yeah okay. that's uh, that took that threw me for a loop too when i was doing the research yeah i i couldn't tell you dude i mean it might it might have been like he got he went a little sooner like maybe he did like fifth grade to like 12th grade that's a good point and uh, like the way they like put put people through school could be not the same four-year like, yeah, slamming true. through high school, we do. He went to King Abdullah's university where he studied economics and business administration so that one day he would actually have the skills to run his father's construction company. It was in his time at university that Osama took an English language course at Oxford, Oxford University in 1971. Um, so this man was like studying at Oxford in literally England during the 70s. Did you ever find out how many people that end up being like like fought against like in the Middle East or Vietnam or Korea and were like educated in even World War Two were educated in like English or American schools. Well, um, wasn't uh God um the leader of Ho Chi Minh yeah. from uh, Vietnam? He studied in England, it, yeah, Oxford, or Cambridge or something. Yeah. Well, shit, maybe it's something wrong with Oxford, bro. <laughs> we just need to stop. Sending what are those people? British people telling those people? Well, like, a good chunk of the Japanese during World War II, like, all, like, a lot of their admirals and generals had, like, studied at, like, Yale and Harvard and stuff. And you're like, wow, that's wild. Some would say that uh, smacks of a potential CIA involvement, but we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that for a later discussion. Nick's conspiracy-oriented brain over here. It's also speculated and not confirmed that Osama may have gotten a civil engineering degree in 1979 and... We don't know because he kind of was bouncing around at this point in time doing, like, the rich kid thing where, you know, you do a year at this school, then you do two years at this school, and then you go do, like, take a gap year. So it's, it's unsure if he even had a degree. But, but if he did, his thesis was in building caves. <laughs> Civil engineering of uh, the best and dankest caves. No, it was probably in demo work. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I... Like, the fuck? This guy took a few classes at Oxford, got a possible degree in civil engineering. It's, it's like, a really hard pill to swallow that Osama Bin Laden may have been smarter than, like, me or Nick or, like, Jackson here. Like, it, it's it's just, like, such a bat. This, this whole part just, like, fucking blew me away. Oh, I'm fully willing to, uh, like, see the fact that he was definitely smarter than me. I mean, I mean, 
morality aside, it takes some skill to set up your own terrorist network and then keep it running for, you know, Street smarts. Jackson really respects Osama. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think after this episode, we're all going to be on, like, a CIA watch list after, like, you know, typing in Osama bin Laden, where is Osama bin Laden, how to find Osama bin Laden. I think I'm I'm dead. How does Al-Qaeda function? What is this? How How does one find Al-Qaeda? Recruiting processes. I'm already on that list after the... Unabomber oh Manifesto my God. incident. But Did you hear that's... about this, Jackson? About the Unabomber, Unabomber Manifesto? We can, we can talk Did about you look, that. Did you download it or something? No, no. Nick gets Nick <laughs> Nick is just like letting YouTube stream one day, and then like after like some of his like documentaries or show ends, I, I go... was like cleaning, so I wasn't looking at my phone, and then some something started playing, and I was like listening to it, and it was like, oh, rule America, traditional values. I was like, okay, what, what? what? Where is this going? And then, and then it starts talking about killing minorities and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck am I listening to? And then I look at my phone and I'm like, 45 minutes into the Unabomber's manifesto, and Dude, I was like, nice. oh yeah, I'm on every list now. <laughs> I just love how that's like YouTube's recommendation. Yeah, for what does Nick. YouTube think I'm into? Like, what's what's up with that? What's up with your algorithm, YouTube? Fuck. They're trying to I mean, they're trying to make me an extremist. It's their fault. <laughs> So, however, continuing on, however, while Osama may or may not have gotten a degree, one thing is definitely for certain. While attending university, Osama really began to focus more and more on religion. Now, he had been born as a Sunni Muslim, and during his formative years, either abroad or at college in Saudi Arabia, Osama really began to go all in with Islam. He studied the Quran and Jihad, making his own interpretations of what they meant and how people should be following them. In his mind, when it came to Jihad, no one was exempt from it. He believed that civilians of an enemy country, including women and children, were viable targets for attack. Which, I mean, obviously, like, that's kind of, that was the entire foundation of, uh, uh, Islam or the Al Qaeda, not Islam. Jesus, whoa, no, whoa, no, no, whoa, no! I sorry. can't. You're no. gonna get us canceled, bro. We need to edit that out. We, <laughs> we will have to edit this one out. Oh my god! I'm leaving it in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's gonna stay in. I'm gonna have. A I'm gonna, we're gonna po- post a picture of you on our Instagram with that quote. Oh my god! <laughs> it's gonna be like I'm gonna have like a jihad pronounced against me now. Can't wait. I'll make a T-shirt of that and send it to you. Dude, the first podcast to get denounced by Islam, that would be huge for oh, us. I bet you 10 bucks we are not the first. <laughs> yeah, sure. We were already called communists earlier. Oh, so yeah, we, we, oh, yeah, we right were track. called communists once. Yes. Some dude gave us a one-star review and called us communists. That's and we were great. Like, cool. So thank you, random citizen. <laughs> I think we have like one review on iTunes, and I think it's like one star, and I'm like, one to buy. Our one fan, bro. Love it. <laughs> Hmm. So, Bin Laden looked at the world and hated what he saw. He firmly believed that the only way to set the world right was the total restoration of Sharia law. Which, Jackson, can you describe Sharia law? Because I'm kind of, like, confused about it. Basically, as far as I know, which isn't much, I don't know a whole ton about um, Islam. Sharia law is, like... Like trying, like I, I guess the best analogy I could do would be, like, practicing, like, really fundamentalist, like, Catholic like law so, like so basically and every everything ideas. like it's take the old testament and just do everything it says in the old testament yeah it's, it's, it's about it's, it's just like close second traditional like right law. yeah so like no one has any rights except the men um like people do what they're told you follow the god and anything that's not god is evil essentially hmm. as far that's a really probably misinterpretation of that's best i can synthesize it's cool that. we're american we're not supposed to know anyway yeah it's it that's above our pay grade yeah <laughs> 
Well, Osama bin Laden did have radical views when it came to jihad and violence. It is actually a myth that he hated America just because we were different. And he hated America... Mm, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. He hated America because he believed that U.S. foreign policy had killed, oppressed, and harmed other Muslims in the Middle East. Us? Us? Yeah, but... No. (laughs) Never. Which is strange, though, because, like, given our perspective, that makes... That, like, oh, yeah, of course, we've been at war in the Middle East for 20 years. But it's weird. When he was writing this kind of stuff, it would have been, like, what, the 60s, 70s? It would be, like... It would be more of the Soviets. It would be more of, like... I think he was looking more at, like, Iran, when Iran had the Iranian Revolution in the 70s, and we tried supporting the Shah, but then uh, the Islamic... No, 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 we didn't... Oh, we did support yeah, we the were supporting right? the Shah, the king, uh, and then the Islamic right, yeah. uh, revolution happened. It, what? Yeah, so... Well, I think it was the, not so much we supported the Shah as that we supported his overthrow of their elected government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he kept the oil flowing to us, so... Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There's the key word, oil. <laughs> yeah. Um, he must have... I think I get the feeling... Um, he came up with this kind of stuff a bit bef- it must have been before the Soviet invasion, right? Or after, because you'd think that would get all of his mm. ire. Because also, the Iranian uh, Revolution happened in what, 78 or 79? Uh, I thought 75, but you know, we're in, it's in well, the 70s. 70, okay. It's in the 70s. Well, no, if it, well, it, it kind of, well, it matters because of the whole, um, like, the Soviets invaded in 79, right? So if the Iranian Revolution happened, like, in 78 or 79, then that would probably not really be on his radar. But if it, if it happened in 75, like you're saying, that makes more sense why he would be upset with America. We're, I mean, we literally have, like, the world's most powerful computers at our fingertips. And, um, nope, that's not it. That's, what do I, I that's we'll, we'll figure it out. The Iranian Revolution is not the subject of this topic. 79. It was 78 79. to 79. 79, okay. That's interesting that he focused on America because at that point he'd have been at war with the Soviets. Yeah. Um, Who at that, And we were supporting him at that time. I mean, Grand America's not super awesome in the 70s. We did a lot of fucked up shit, but you'd think, like, given what he was, what was front, like, you know, clear and present dangers in front of him. So I thought it was a bit of a tangent there. So, anyway, he just did not like U.S. foreign policy, is pretty much. So, to, like, sum it up, like, quickly, uh, according to a former CIA analyst, uh, Michael Schusher, they, Al-Qaeda, hate us. For what we do, not who we are. So, this this idea didn't just apply to the U.S. either. So, when the good old Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan in 1979, Osama saw it as an outrage against his fellow Muslims. In 79, Osama had left college and wound up traveling to Pakistan, where he met Abdul Azaz. He's a key resistance fighter in the Soviet-Afghan war who deserves, like, obviously his own entire fucking episode, because this man's, like, just reading about him was kind of overwhelming. I, I just kind of had to sum him up into, like, a, a parenth- parenthetical sentence, which was difficult. Uh, Osama was able to use his dad's construction money, remember that 25 to $30 million he had, uh, to help the Mujahideen... Uh, resist invasion by the Soviets. He would later say, I felt outraged that an injustice had been committed against the people of Afghanistan. It is thought that while fighting in Afghanistan that Osama bin Laden made his first contact with the CIA. All right, Nick, this is your territory. Oh, baby. (laughs) 
Um, CIA asset. Well, the CIA was 100% involved in the Soviet-Afghan war. They were funneling money and arms to the Mujahideen through intermediaries like the Pakistani Inter-Service Intelligence, the ISI. CIA did not directly, or document it, or is it anywhere on record, directly train him or any of his followers. You think they keep record of that shit? Come on, <laughs> oh, I, 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 I would bet good money they, some CIA asset, met face-to-face with okay, him. Okay, okay. Here, here's a bunch of stingers. <laughs> so here's the fun part, though. That it, it is, like, a fun part about, like, this guy. Yeah, fun. This is fun. Uh, um, so it... Uh, it, it was all done through the I, ISI, is really kind of what it was, but the Pakistan and the Pakistani armed forces, they were the ones who trained them and equipped the Mujahideen. But, like, as a side note, which this is kind of like where it gets a little murky. Uh-huh, uh-huh, where, okay. Uh-huh. No, no, okay, keep going. <laughs> well, there is no evidence that Osama bin Laden was trained by the CIA. He definitely 110% was trained by a U.S. Special Forces member, Ali Mohammed who was a double agent at the time, working for the U.S. and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Ooh. <laughs> wait, wait, so, so he was a double agent for whom? Was he, like, he was pretending a, to be an, a U.S. asset while secretly being an Egyptian Islamic yeah, Jihad? Well, yeah, so he was a U.S. special force member, but also working for the Islamic Jihad, Egyptian Islamic Jihad, and he'd actually wind up being arrested in 1998 after an FBI raid in his apartments associated with the bombing of the Twin Towers in the early 90s. Or, oh, the, the first one. The yeah. first bombing. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Like, I was like, I started reading about this guy, and I was like, fuck, no, I have to go back to Osama bin Laden because this is too wild for me to get into. So this Ali Muhammad guy is different from the uh, Abdullah Azhar guy? Yeah, the Abdullah Azhar guy was like, uh, he was like the pretty much like the George Washington of... Uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan resisting the okay. Soviets. <laughs> okay, okay. Fantastic analogy. Oh my god. <laughs> I've had too many beers. I've only had two, but it's uh, yeah, two. Yeah, I'm get a throw in the bus on this one since it's your script. <laughs> god damn it. Yeah, don't cancel us. Cancel Connor. Connor has yes. been canceled. That's interesting. So this guy, I bet, yeah, you're right. This Ali Muhammad guy is probably a fascinating character. I mean, what? Uh, trains people, uh, U.S. Special Forces... Probably connected to the CIA, trains um, Mujahideen fighters against the Soviets in Afghanistan, and then is arrested for involvement in the f- original bombing of the Twin Towers. That's a life. Seems <laughs> pretty sketch, bro. I do I do get into him a little bit more in the episode when we do get to those later bombings. All right, well, let's move on then. In 1984, Maktab al-Kidamit was founded by bin Laden and Azam to help direct resources and fighters to Afghanistan from all around the Arab world. It was kind of like a, a, a like a, what do you call them? A um, summer camp for terrorists? Yeah. Kind of like a Peace Corps, but for, yeah. for fighting people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they would uh, set up training camps in Pakistan, uh, where volunteers from across the Muslim world would meet up before heading into Afghanistan, and then these would eventually form the... Al-Qaeda camps that we would actually wind up bombing later on during the war on terror. Interesting. So the foundation of, like, all this goes all the way back to 1984. All was not well, though, within the Maktab Maktab camps. Yeah, Maktab. As Bin Laden and Azam began to have differing opinions on how these volunteers should be used and organized, 
Azam believed that the Arab fighters should fight within the Afghan fighting groups instead of Bin Laden's approach of separate groups. So Bin Laden wanted to have his own, like, core, and Azam wanted the volunteers to be kind of integrated into the Afghan army. Okay. Um, Bin Laden wanted to organize an Islamic faction, pretty much, fighting separately uh, from the Afghan military is what he wanted. Which would have their own objectives and they would kind of do their own thing. They wouldn't listen to the higher-ups within the Afghan army. He wanted to be a warlord. I mean, yeah. I mean, no, I, th- I think... I don't know if he wanted to be a warlord, but he wanted to have his own... Like, going back to those like earlier ideas, like he wanted to have that Islamic state, that Sharia state, kind of what Iran is today. Well, he, well, I imagine he was looking for like, okay, we're going we're gonna to finish with get the Soviets out of Afghanistan, and then we're going to move on to other things. And Azam was more like, no, we're just getting the Soviets out of Afghanistan, and that's it. That's end of the line kind of thing. But, so it's around this time, and while well, the exact date is anyone's guess, we do know that by 1988, Bin Laden had separated from Azam's group of fighters, and Al-Qaeda was born. Which, uh, yeah, not, not, not ideal, but I don't know why. I said, I said it with like such relish too. And I was like, wait, I need to like, I probably should. Yeah, back up, bro. Connor, I'm really just going to be canceled after this one. Pop, did you, I just was looking at stuff. I've always wanted to know what Al-Qaeda actually meant. It just means the base. Yeah, well, that's way less like. Dude, Nick can get into that. Nick's all about the base. This DJ over here. In February of 1989, the Soviet Union had finally withdrawn after an inconclusive war. By inconclusive, they got their asses handed to them. Uh, Bin Laden returned to Saudi Arabia, a hero of the jihad, and with a legion of veteran Arabs, fighters backing him from across the Muslim world. This warm welcome home was short-lived because of a little country called Iraq, under the rule of a man called Saddam Hussein. Oh, damn. Yeah, we're getting into a good old Saddam. On August 2nd of 1990, as some of our elder listeners, not elder, that that was rude, some of our older <laughs> listeners. Long like, time listeners. Our long time. You dusty fucks. God, God damn geriatric bastards listening to this. On August 2nd of 1990, Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait and wound up putting Iraqi forces on the Saudi border, which worried the royal family in Saudi Arabia. As Saddam was also trying to incite dissent within the Arab world to the idea of a pan-Arabism, kind of like Japan did during the Second World War, a pan-Asianism. Yeah, that really fun, uh, what is it, uh, Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere. That's such a mouthful. That is the fucking worst name for a faction in the fucking history of names. I know, they had, they had pan-Asianism just sitting there, and they're like, no, that's not, that's not enough. Well, I also like how you have, during the First World, you have the Central Powers. Dope name. You have the Axes. Dope name. And then you have the greater... What, what was it? The greater... East Asian Co-Prosperity Sphere. I get, yes, what the, was the acronym? What fucking nerds, bro? <laughs> the Japanese. What did that even look like in, um, in like um, Japanese script? It must have been ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> like 13 characters. <laughs> it's like how like they make fun of like S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel for it. It's like, geez, like the... Like, strategic homeland intervention enforcement and something, defense, whatever, and you're like, Jesus Christ, people, like, no. You actually know <laughs> what that means? I didn't even know what S.H.I.E.L.D. meant. I know the first, like, four, and then I, I'm not, something, defense, I'm not really sure what, oh, it's logistics, what, 
So strategic homeland intervention enforcement logistic. Def- ah, fuck it, I don't know. Mm, I thought it's done for super hard and every day. <laughs> <laughs> As Saddam was trying to incite this idea of pan-Arabism, Arabism, I don't know why I can't say it, looking for help wherever they could, uh, King Fad of Saudi Arabia signed a deal with the devil and agreed to the, U- to the then U.S. Secretary of Defense, Dick motherfucking Cheney, <laughs> for American military assistance. So, I think this is around the time Dick Cheney is, like, I think he's on the Halliburton uh, board of directors at this point. Fucking hate that guy. So. Most likely. Kind of makes sense. Well, this was, like, this was, yeah, he was Secretary of Defense, so, um, yeah, because he didn't, he only lasted through Bush Jr., right? Uh, no, he was in, he was in some uh, positions during Bush Sr., too. No, that's what I mean. Like he, this is like this. This is Bush. This is right between like uh, Bush Senior switching over to Clinton kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saudi Arabia signed a deal with uh, Dick Cheney for uh, U.S. military assistance. So now this did not sit well with Bin Laden, who would go on to denounce Saudi dependence on U.S. military aid, and because of his outspoken criticism of the royal family of Saudi Arabia. Obviously, the government did not take well to that, and he was expelled from Saudi Arabia in 1991, fled to Sudan. Um, and this is also going to start a chain of like reactions where bin Laden's not like allowed in a certain place. He's going from place to place to place. Like He just keeps getting kicked out of countries. I mean, he, he, he makes no friends with any governments. It is kind of funny how a guy who persisted this long was never arrested by any of these governments. Mostly put, I, he almost yeah. gets arrested. It's actually, I forget what country he was in. I think it's Pakistan. They refused to uh, extradite him to the U.S. They had him, but they refused to extradite him. This was pre-9-11, though, I think. Huh. It's kind of funny that he, that's Iraq ended up being, yeah. So he didn't last long in Sudan, either. Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda were linked to the EIJ, which is the Islamic, or Egyptian Islamic Jihad, and in their attempt to assassinate the Egyptian president, uh, Hassan Mubarak. Hosni. And what? Is it Hosni or Hussan? I couldn't tell Hosni. you. Hosni. I'm a history major. I should know these things. I just choose not to know. Also, also is this the same Mubarak that had the, um, that was the in the Libyan problem? Or I don't know. No, that's, that's Libyan. I couldn't tell you. That, the one that was in like 2000, like Obama's, um, presidency in like 2015 or 16. i would assume so because you know when you, they, they talk about the, Egypt, but that the egyptian was, but that was Libya, well, the Egypt, this is the 90s and i mean the egyptian president isn't like really uh subject to term limits i don't think it's kind of more of a uh free freelance kind of just if you can take it you take it <laughs> we don't call it a king yeah we don't call it a king we call it a president um so then sudan expelled him after uh they tried to assassinate Mubarak, uh, and with nowhere else to go, Bin Laden went back to Afghanistan, where in 1996 he would officially declare war in the United States. Bold move. Uh, obviously, it didn't work well for Germany when they did it in 1941, but, uh, you know, fuck them. More power to you. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's gone well for really anybody. The only one you could say it's gone well for is perhaps Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, and... I was going to say Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. Fuck around, find out. I, mean, I guess you could make an argument for the Koreans because they're still in North Korea. But yeah, but if, it, if yeah, it but wasn't... they live in squalor, bro, come on, did they really win? 
Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on who you ask there. If you ask but, um, whatever, who's in charge of that now, they'd be like, of course we won. The worst one. The CIA. Uh, I mean, then again, I mean, you could have, I mean, South Korea does have like a quote unquote, like how we talk about Mubarak, like president elect that can just keep getting reelected. Same yeah, but the they, Philippines. Got, they got K-pop. The, the Philippines just reelected the dictator from like the 1980s. Ooh. Ooh, I'm like, yeah, the, the son of the dictator that stole billions of dollars from the Filipino people. He fled the country with his like wife. And then they turn to a Democrat, like an actual Democratic Republic, and then they elect this motherfucker's son. Oh my god, it's it's wild. It's oh my god. Is that like know, a dude, Mussolini? You know Maybe he's just trying to right the wrongs of his father, bro. You yeah, except when uh, the Filipino people are asking for the billions upon billions of dollars back, and he's just like, "My family never took it. We don't know what you're talking about." Seems like a really cool guy. This along the same lines as like Mussolini's daughter running for. Um like office in italy she's in she's in italian parliament mussolini's granddaughter is in italian parliament is she hot and like she's definitely not not going for like the up like apologizing for the sins of her father she's like no no yeah, it's, it's fucking wild <laughs> but is on? she hot i don't know i've never <laughs> seen a picture of her. i don't think i've actually seen Dude, a picture of her. it's so wild to me how like it just, you know, politics swing so far right and then so far left and it literally takes like 15 years and then we're just, like, right back yeah. to where we started. Who the hell needs fantasy when you have, like, history and modern politics? Oh, she is so not hot. Well, I'm glad we could establish that. Oh, God, no. No, she... Oh, my uh, God, she looks uh, like Mussolini. Yeah. Oh, God. Damn, this woman's lips could fucking... I don't even... Oh. Those oh. lips look like they could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Yeah, I don't even want to look at her. Jesus. Christ, guys. She looks like what a porn star would look like if you went to Pornhub and put in Mussolini's granddaughter. Very specific. Uh, I think Pornhub's going to flag us for that. Oh, God. Well, we're just racking up all the... <laughs> Why not? Just get banned from okay, Pornhub. Well, let's piss off everybody. Oh, my yeah, God. So we'll just get ourselves banned from Pornhub. I think we should start posting video episodes to Pornhub. Oh, God. God, I'm glad my family listens to this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well... Hi, Langland family. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Moving on. Hi, also, mom and dad. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, too. I hope I'm making you all proud. Dear God, I hope my parents don't hear this. I'm going to find your parents on Facebook, and I'm going to send them this. Focus. Focus. (laughs) All right. All right. Focusing. All right. So now that we set up Bin Laden's supervillain origin story, uh, let's get into all the different reasons why Bin Laden was such a high-priority target for so fucking long. In 1992, Bin Laden was involved with his first bombing where Al-Qaeda and himself targeted the Gold Mihor Hotel in Aden, uh, killing two people. All through the 90s, Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda supported jihadists in a variety of ways in places like Algeria, Egypt, and Afghanistan. He would spur an Islamist group to rise up and resist their government in Afghanistan in 1993 which would ultimately end with their defeat and the deaths of somewhere between 150,000 to 200,000 people. By 1996, the U.S. realized that they needed to do something about all these terrorist groups across the Arab world. And the CIA set up the Counterterrorism Center, the CTC, which I know nothing about. On November 17, 1997, the Luxor Massacre would be carried out and ended with the death of 62 Egyptian civilians. By 1998, 
Bin Laden had declared that killing any North American or their allies was a duty that every Muslim needed to carry out. Adding on that North Americans are very easy targets. You will see the results of this in a very short time. So, obviously, he really fucking hated Americans at this point. I mean, to be fair, we we had started to bomb, I think, their camps and everything within the Middle East world. Are you empathizing with Osama, Connor? Did we actually start doing that in the 90s? I don't know. Um, I don't think we did. I don't think so. I thought we might have because we were still, like, we were pretty much plopped down in prime position in Iraq at this point. Well, no, we'd left by this point. No, I thought we, I thought we left a military presence there. No, we didn't. That's why we had to reinvade in like two thousand one oh, or two thousand two. Oh, okay, history uh, major. History major. I'm more of a Napoleonic, Greco-Roman history guy, not a, not a modern history guy. Uh, <laughs> Osama bin Laden was making a name for himself all across the Middle East and Africa, but what really tipped the scales against him was that in nineteen ninety eight the U.S. embassy bombings that took place across two countries simultaneously. This was big. This was, like, huge. This was, like, all, like, front-page U.S. news for weeks. Uh, I think it was also because the bombs were just absolute massive. No, they, they were truckloads of bombs. So truckloads, truck, trucks loaded with explosives uh, near the U.S. embassy in Tanzania and Kenya killed hundreds of citizens in the process. Um, and I'm not the smartest person in the world out there, but I damn well know that if you attack, like, any U.S. embassy, because that's like attacking a U.S. territory. You're going to get Yeah, it's, it's, it's foreign soil considered. Yeah, it's, it's foreign soil. You are for sure going to wind up in very big, deep, crappy shit and on the U.S. shit list. And, uh, well, it's up there with, like, killing, like, ambassadors or something of any country. It's like, you, you don't do that. <laughs> so newly added to this shit list, Al-Qaeda was the target of U.S. missiles. So, obviously, if these uh, bombings happened in 1998, uh, this is when U.S. missile strikes in Sudan and Afghanistan started to commence. So, that's when, that's when we started to bomb Sudan and Afghanistan, like all the okay. uh, Al-Qaeda camps and whatnot. Okay. The CTC then reported to the White House that the terrorist group had plans to attack the U.S. on its own soil. And Bin Laden was placed on the FBI's top 10 most wanted by 1999. Damn, I was four at this point. I don't even like... Maybe all of us were. Jesus, I don't even like think about it that way. No, okay, we were born. We weren't really, like, people yet. No. Uh, I don't know about you. I was a person. <laughs> I was five. I didn't know what... I had an IQ now. of 120 at this point. You kidding me? I was... Man, you really dropped some IQ points on the I was going to say, you, you say that like it's high. God damn it. While the CIA and FBI both knew Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda were planning attacks in the U.S., nothing could have prepared them for what was to come. And I'm going to skip over the early 1990 attacks on the U.S. uh, Twin Towers, and I'm just going to jump right into September 11th, 2001. This would be the day that people would come to fear and loathe Osama Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda who, up to this point, most Americans had never heard of. On this day, at 8.46 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11, with a crew of 11 and 76 additional passengers, flew into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York. Or was it a directed energy weapon? Or 
Was it a plane with a directed energy weapon? Or was it a missile disguised as a plane? The CIA won't. Why would you disguise a missile as a plane when you could just use the plane? Well, Jackson, that's a great question that I'd love to really explore with you. (laughs) I'd really love to ask Bush that question. Uh, Exactly 17 and a half minutes later, at 9.03 a.m., United Airlines Flight 175 crashed into the South Tower. Allegedly. Killing an additional 60 crew and passengers. And this still blows my mind. Like, when I went through my training with uh, SkyWest working for United, we had to do, like, an entire, like, hour-long training on, like, studying hijackings and stuff like this. And United, they didn't talk about United Airlines Flight 175. They just specifically talk about just, like, generally, like, oh, all these other ones were attacked. And then 9-11 happened. And then some other stuff happened. And I was like... Wow, they really like to breeze over 9-11 real quick. <laughs> you think that'd be like a number one well, talking yeah, point? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure American Airlines and United are like, oh, that's a real black mark on yeah. our record. We yeah. Don't need to highlight no that doubt. one. Which, if United Airlines, you're hearing this, please hire me back again. I swear to God, I'm a good person. So, only a short time later, American Airlines Flight 77 with a crew of 6 and 53 additional passengers crashed into the west wall of the Pentagon at 9.37 a.m. Finally, United Airlines Flight 93, with a further 40 passengers and crew, crashed into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. This final flight had been hijacked, but then possibly retaken by passengers and crew. So, in order to stop this, the hijackers had flipped the aircraft 180 degrees and crashed it where they were. And this is also, like, this was not a tiny plane that they just flipped upside down. No, they were, like, 7.5s and, like, 7.37s. Like, they were big aircraft. These were big aircraft. They're just doing barrel rolls with, pretty much. It's speculated that the final flight was en route to the Capitol or the White House, but it's still unknown. Uh, The final plane crash would not be the end of the destruction of that day, sadly. After the initial planes had crashed into the North and South Towers... Fires had broken out that caused massive structural damage to the building's integrity. Soon after the third plane crash, at 9.59 a.m., the South Tower came crashing down, followed by the North Tower at 10.28. In total, 2,977 Americans had died that day. Not a single person on any of those four flights had survived. It was a tragedy of a magnitude America had not endured since the attacks of Pearl Harbor in 1941. Well, 9-11 deserves a show of its own. Not going to dive into it today. Nor the conspiracies. Heal. Heal, Nick. Damn it. Uh, Got a lot more to go through. Today we're just going to get get past the events of 9-11 involving Bin Laden. And by the end of this, we are all going to be feeling so much better about ourselves when we shoot that motherfucker in the head while he's sleeping with one of his shitty little wives. I think he was actually awake. Oh, also one of his, one of his sons also gets killed in the raid, and it's fucking fantastic. Just, I'm pretty sure they, they were actually awake at this point. They were awake. I mean, they were awake, but they still got their heads blown off, and so one of his sons. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> okay. So, in the wake of these attacks, Bin Laden had initially denied his involvement on September 16th. 2001 and like i don't see why like 
maybe he really wasn't involved. I mean, maybe this really is all a fucking the CIA. Uh, I don't know. It, it it's all weird. But uh, so on September sixteenth, two thousand one, he states. I would like to assure the world that I did not plan the recent attacks, which seems to have been planned by people for personal reasons. This is the part that confuses me, though. He denies his involvement, but then later in his statement in 2004, he said that he had personally directed the 19 hijackers. Yeah, which is interesting because, like, like if you like corroborate that with evidence, like before that, like there have been there's always attacks leveled against the U.S., but some of them are saying like, oh, there's Al Qaeda members learning who are looking at striking air, the U.S. with aircraft, and they're learning to, like, fly airplanes, and they're like, oh, that's obviously Bin Laden. And then, like, he goes and denies It's like, no, of, of course it was him. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, it it seems just kind of counterintuitive to his own designs and goals if he just denies it, but I guess there's probably a reason for it. Yeah, there could have been some, like, background stuff that he had to, like, position himself for that, you know, we, we yeah. just don't even know. We always think, like, they'd claim it and then later on deny it. Or, like, if you, like, really wanted to be, like, distance himself from it. Because he never denies it again. No, no. He actually, he, he leans into it later on. Yeah, which ended up getting him killed. But, like, so, so you know, like, you'd think if he was actually, like, if it wasn't him, he was trying to distance himself. He'd be like, well, actually, that wasn't me. I, I can name you about four people who this would have been done by. So, after all his denials and then uh, backtracks, uh, he winds up going on to say like further down the road that uh he was inspired to attack the towers after seeing the destruction of towers in lebanon by israel who obviously israel is no friend of osama bin laden or anybody in the middle east for that matter well i gotta wonder how he's inspired by that because like i don't recall israel crashing planes into any towers (laughs) well i guess he said the destruction of towers in lebanon by israel in the 1982 lebanon war oh he might mean like the like um what effect that destruction of those towers had kind of thing, not the, I like, the physical means of destroying them. Yeah, I couldn't... There was no context to the quote. Uh, none of this mattered, though, because involved or not involved, as now Osama bin Laden had the full and undivided attention of the United States government. The U.S. went on to launch the War on Terror. God, thank you, Bush. We let's, really... Let's go! Really appreciate it. I mean, I guess he got the full quote of, like, if you want a war, we'll give you a war. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there were no limits on this one. Uh, which was aimed at taking down the Taliban regime in Afghanistan, along with the capture of other high-key ranking uh, officials of al-Qaeda. With the full ire and wrath of the United States focused against him, bin Laden decided, to, you know, now's a good time to uh, go on vacation and go into hiding. And he went to Afghanistan, where he had actually been living during the time of the attacks. The United States demanded that the Taliban government hand him over so that way he could face justice in the U.S. for the 9-11 attacks. And, not surprisingly, they declined their demands, stating that the U.S. did not have enough evidence that bin Laden was involved in the attacks. Which is just, like, dumbfounding. Like, literally, Afghanistan had him post-9-11. And what's funny is they had, like, him declaring war on the U.S. in, what was it, 96, 98? Yeah, something like like that. And the Taliban's like, how can you prove it was him? He's the only person at war with us. He blew up an embassy. (laughs) He blew up two embassies on the same day. He blew up two embassies. Twice. Who else would it be? Yeah, like, I mean, listen, maybe it might be circumstantial, but boy, is there a lot of circumstantial. We'd love to talk to him. (laughs) Yeah, we'd love to talk to him in Guantanamo Bay. I actually think Guantanamo was like like the black side it is now. I think it was just like a base at this point, you know? 
They did say, however, though, that if the U.S. presented evidence to them, uh, proving beyond a doubt that he was guilty, they would try him in an Islamic court in Afghanistan for the United States. Of course, this did not fly with the U.S. government. Bush was like, man. They, like, okay, if they were like, the, uh, if their diplomats would be like, no, this, the, the, the U.S. will accept this position, did they ever have any illusions that that was going to fly? Like, justified or not, they had no idea. They, they had to know this was not going to work. Yeah. Mr. President, Mr. President, what are you going to do about Osama bin Laden? <laughs> we're going to find him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, if the Taliban really thought that they were going to try him in an Islamic court, and then, like, in the U.S. was going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's all we wanted, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we got this picture, uh, a selfie with Osama and all of the uh, hijackers. What do you think yeah, about they that? Yeah, they said he wasn't a part of it. It's weird. I mean, like, hey, but... He's wild. He was at Six Flags that day? <laughs> well, I kind of wonder what, like, the Taliban really thought was going to happen. Like, okay, like, they... Unless they, like, thought this was going to work for some reason, they had to assume it would fail. And then, like, what... Oh, that... no, they... Jackson, they backtrack real fast because of what happens next. So it's not terribly okay. competent. <laughs> so America did what we do best. We started to bomb Afghanistan into the fucking dark ages. And imagine this. It worked. Only 11 days after we started bombing them with cruise fucking missiles, Afghanistan offered to turn them over uh, to the U.S. But former President Bush declined this new offer, stating... <laughs> Handing him over is no longer a possibility. <laughs> Thank okay. you very much. Okay, I realize that's like, as a good person, that's the wrong move. <laughs> but that's pretty metal, bro. He's like, Bush is like, sorry, dog, no, the time for negotiating is over. We're going to bomb you forever now. Uh, get fucked. <laughs> or, you know, the military industrial complex could really use a place to land those uh, yeah. cruise missiles. It's probably more Dick Cheney than anything. Well, oh, and my again, God. What the hell did the Taliban government think was going to happen? Like, did they have any, like, notion? Like, they'd seen the U.S. operate in, like, a half dozen countries before this when they, the government doesn't go their way. Like, and they're yeah. like, no, no, we've got the military to withstand them. Like, Iraq, we're better than that. We can handle them better than, uh, like, like there's no way they thought this was going to go. Like, no, no, they did have the, they, I think their thought process, their, I mean, the main driving thought process is the Soviet-Afghan war. They won that. They thought they could hold out and win this one, too. They didn't, like, win it decisively. They just basically, uh, they like, they bled the Soviets until they left, which is uh, what happened in the war that happens now. So they're like, okay, we'll just bleed them again until they leave. But, like, why would they take that chance? Would they know it's going to be at least a decade of fighting? Yeah, we don't spend an uncomfortable amount of our GDP on our military for no reason, bro. Like, <laughs> Hey, we talked about this in the NATO episode. It's not yeah, that okay, uncomfortable. Okay. It's not that uncomfortable. Yeah, it's actually a lot, like, it's less than, it's, it's, it's way too much, but it's less than people think it we is. We should spend more. <laughs> Nick, don't give them ideas. <laughs> All right. It, it, it's right about now that Bin Laden kind of falls off the face of the earth. Some fucking how, after he does the most high-profile crime in literally, I was going to say history, but the Germans really have that one. Um, after he does the most high-profile crime in U.S. history, Bin Laden just, like, falls off the face of the earth. He started to move among various camps and hideouts across Afghanistan, like beginning to elude capture. In August of 2007, the military had been surging the mountains and caves in Tora Bora. They had intelligence of meetings of Al-Qaeda members. This led only to the killing of a few dozen members, but Bin Laden was nowhere to be found by this point. By 2008, then-Secretary of Defense Robert Gates had said that they did not have any reliable information on Bin Laden or his top associates 
for years by this point. So pretty much from 2000 or uh, from yeah 2001 to 2008, they have no fucking clue where Bin Laden is. Well, everyone forgets that how easy it is actually to hide if you have no electronics around you. I mean, this is tr- like I don't know. It's just like such a, like a mind-boggling thought that you can just. But, but, but... It's not terribly mind-boggling, because if you want to go full caveman, like, you can actually hide. Like, I mean, you, then you basically put people back into, like, the 1850s where they're trying to find people based on, like, literal footprints in the ground. Yeah, yeah. Or sheep prints, you know, you don't, you don't know what they're, what they're doing up there in those Afghan mountains. Sheep prints. What are you insinuating? I insinuate nothing. <laughs> well, that's what, uh, um... Um, Bin Laden did though. He just said, like, right, I'm going to cut myself off from the world of electronics entirely because he was well versed enough in it being kind of like the techie hipster. He was to know exactly how easily you could be tracked with that kind of stuff. Didn't he have a hard and, drive um, of, full of American media when he got caught? Oh, dozens. Or of not when he got caught, when they raided his cave. Oh, not just one. It was like dozens. He wasn't found in a cave. Whatever. Complex. Oh, Look he was found in a mansion. You're going to find out soon. It's fucking mansion's wild. A, mansion's a strong word. No, it was a mansion. Uh, I've seen the pictures. It's not a mansion. It, it was a mansion compared to a... Uh, to the caves. Uh, I'm going to really backtrack this statement. How do I walk this one back? Anyway... By, by keeping... You guys keep going. <laughs> things We do have listeners in Afghanistan. We have uh, less than a percentage what? point of people in Afghanistan. <laughs> not that after this episode. Jesus Christ, Connor. <laughs> I have ruined us. I have drove this, pod, drove this podcast into the ground. We're going to swing from communist to fucking, like, alt-right people real quick after this episode. Oh, my God. I always keep them guessing. <laughs> Things seem to have reached an unfortunate stalemate by this point. At least until April of 2011. Woo-woo! In April, U.S. intelligence was informed that Bin Laden was hiding out in a personal mansion in Pakistan, near the border of Afghanistan. President Barack Obama ordered a raid to take place where Bin Laden was to be taken dead or alive. Operation, this is the best fucking name too, Operation Neptune Spear was ordered to launch on May 2nd, 2011. Why is it like like fighter pilot call signs and like operation names always have just, they're just so cool. Like, they have that both badass names, Torch, Overlord, Neptune Spear, Neptune. What was the invasion of Sicily called? Husky. Husky. Like, right? They're all just badass. <laughs> um, so on May 2nd, the Operation Neptune Spear was to be launched. The operation would consist of, and this is actually kind of crazy, some of the people that were involved in this. The operation would consist of U.S. military personnel and CIA officials, and the team would take on the mission with SEAL Team 6, who also deserve their own show one day. They're Which fucking I'm pretty sure I no longer actually called SEAL Team 6 because, like, all those Tier 1 operating groups, after they get enough, like, public attention with one name, they, they get... shift to a new name. Ooh, that's smart. smart. Well, like, like Delta Force is not called Delta Force. They've gone from, like, Delta Force to Dev Group to, to Covert Operations Group to... They, they shift around so no one is quite sure. Like, the SEALs, obviously, are still a thing, but Team 6, it might not be Team 6 anymore. It might be Team, like, 7 or something. All right, well, I, Jackson, you're looking at the outline, are you not? What? Yes, I am. Okay. So, Nick, I want you, I'm curious. How many people do you think were involved in this raid? Oh, damn. Um, 12? I, mean, I, was, I would have thought, like, a lot Holy less shit. than actually. Shortly was. after 1 a.m. local time, 4 p.m. EST, SEAL Team 6, consisting of 79 commandos and a dog. Just one. one just dog. one dog. 
raided Bin Laden's compound in Pakistan. They stormed his house, which had three floors, and Bin Laden and his family lived on the third floor. After storming the compound, a short firefight broke out, and Bin Laden's adult son, Khalid, a courier, another man, and his wife would all be shot and killed. Osama Bin Laden was found on the third floor, peering out of his bedroom at the advancing American forces, and once spotted, he was immediately shot in the fucking face and killed on the spot. Woo! After Bin Laden had been shot, the commandos rounded up all the others in the compound and tied them up with zip ties, leaving them all outside for Pakistani forces to find and deal with. We had done what we had gone there for, honestly, and the mission was over. The team took... That mission also was crazy. I, I literally was reading about it, and I was like, dude, I, I'm i at 12 pages for this outline. I have to stop. I can't go any further. I, I gotta sum this up. This whole raid was fucking nuts. Do you think someone teabagged Osama? I would pray to God. I would also pray to God. That would be the most American way to do it, bro. No, dude, they have... They're like, they have you watch those guys operate, they are so, like, task, 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 task. They don't even think about that kind of stuff. Like, they... I imagine it probably took them a few minutes to figure out that, like, oh, shit, we actually got Osama Bin Laden. They're like, secure the house, then figure out who we shot. Yeah, true. Well, they also didn't, they didn't even, like, mean to kill him. Osama was just peering out from, like, a bedroom uh, door, and they told him to put his hands up, and he didn't put his hands up within, like, you know, the .2 seconds SEAL Team 6 gives you, and they just (laughs) fucking blew his head off. Oh, yeah, they do not take chances with that kind no. of stuff. No, and they knew it was Osama Bin Laden. Like, you, you don't take chances. Well, actually, I'm amazed that, like, of the pe- like a lot, a lot of people are living in this mansion compound thing. They only killed, what, five, it looks like? Uh, it was... Like, um, Osama, his son, a courier, and then a guy and his wife. Osama's adult son, Khalid, a random courier. So four. It was just another guy, and then the courier's yeah, so like wife. four or five. That's... It was... It was literally only four people total. That's impressive. Like you said, you draw a bunch of people into a, like a like a foreign country on a covert rail like that. And they only kill four people. That's when there's dozens there. It is especially when there was a firefight too that broke out, which is fucking wild. Uh, so the team wound up taking Bin Laden's body to the extraction point and taking back to Afghanistan. So from Pakistan back to Afghanistan, uh, and then this is where the team would wind up being evacuated to a nearby carrier who was standing by for their arrival. Upon arrival, SEAL Team 6 made a positive identification of the body. We dumped that motherfucker so fast into the ocean so no shrine or grave could ever be erected for this piece of fucking shit. We got him. But fuck. Holy shit. Alright. And then I... I don't want to end it abruptly, but fuck. That is the life, times, and the death. Of Osama motherfucking Bin Laden. I mean, all things all things aside, that guy had a, had a hell of a life. His 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 life and deeds like definitely deserved this fucking like he definitely deserved this assassination. He can really go fuck himself in hell. But god damn, if if I can just run it back for a minute to the beginning of the episode, I googled Bush Osama friends question mark. Google says that was. Google says George W. Bush had tied to billionaire Bin Laden. Second headline: Bush ties to Bin Laden haunt grim anniversary. Are we Ten about- Bush Bin Laden connections that were raised a few eyebrows. Is this Bin the Laden- Bin Laden family and the Bush family are old business partners. Those are all of the top Google results. These so, are- 
I was right. Okay, but this has been a lot of. Oh well, yeah, right? they were. Cons- I, I they mean, were I, I'm, I'm just reading off the titles. I don't know. I, don't, I would assume this I'm is just the saying. Obstensibly, I was correct in my earlier. Well, well no shit. In like the 60s and 70s, of course, they're friends. They're like they're big business magnates or construction magnates in Saudi Arabia. The Bush family has a lot of money here, and then they end up fighting on the same side of a war in Afghanistan. Yeah, it seems kind a little of, too like, uh, too close, pretty, huh? It's, pretty it's almost pretty like sus. almost like the CIA man. It's not suspect at all. It's exactly like Pancho Villa had ties to the U.S. during the Mexican Revolution. Oh, it's the exact same kind of thing. You only Pancho deepen Villa. my suspicions, Jackson. And then he managed, and they wouldn't shot up a U.S. town, try to start a war between the U.S. and Mexico. It's like they 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 were playing the whole like any friends they can get are friends, but they're not they're like they're not willing to dissuade from the cause. The, the old you know enemy of my enemy kind of thing. Yeah, of course they're going to like court the U.S. and the U.S. can be like, hey, if you're fighting the Soviets, we also don't like them. So you keep up with that fighting, we'll help. Until they start blowing up U.S. embassies, then shit kind of changes. As a side tangent, I do I think. Because there's going to be a little bit of time between this episode and the next episode, since we haven't even picked the topic for the next episode. I think what would be a fun little quick one to do is we could go into that Muhammad Ali, or Ali Muhammad guy, that double agent. And we yeah. could do like a quick 10 or 20 minute episode just to get some content out there for all the for all 12 or 20 listeners, which would be kind of fun. I'm just saying, just you wait till Conspiracy Cast. We're waiting on you for that one. That's all It's you. coming. I don't know when... I don't know when Connor will allow it, but it's it's coming. I've got to be able to I've got to be able to consistently get this stuff out first. But All right, well, should we close out the episode? I think we're gonna close out the episode. Well, thank you guys again for listening and tuning in. Uh, we appreciate everything, and thank you guys for the people who have stuck around after taking nine months off and then taking another month off. We will. We're doing our best. I'm sorry. Yeah, doing our best with people who live in three different states. Three are high functioning alcoholics. High, well, yeah, I'm I'm drunk at the end of this episode. We will, we think we were in the talks of doing another history face off episode. So, yes, we were actually. Who we talked to about that? Uh, Spencer last night. That's right. That's right. Anyway, well, thank you guys. We are on Instagram. All of us are on Instagram, and uh, the podcast is also on Instagram. And we will be. Be there if you guys want to get in touch with us, which I doubt anybody does, but uh, we're there. So uh, thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace.